It's not always easy to find the positive. You might even need to search for happiness. Sometimes, just a little inspiration can make the difference. Here, it comes from unexpected places. Welcome to the Tangential Inspiration Podcast. Two moms looking for inspiration wherever, wherever we, we can, can find, find it. it. So episode 125 Ooh. with Tangential Inspiration Podcast. I'm going to talk a little bit, some good news about bees. Oh, good. Yes. And then I will finish up with a woman named Kitty O'Neill that I learned from Google. The Google oh. Doodles. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. That sounds interesting. I don't even know what that means, but... Uh, the Kitty O'Neill or the no, Google Doodle? both. Oh. It's a fun day. We're going to learn some <laughs> stuff. How exciting. <laughs> I am going to talk about my teen idol, Olivia Newton-John. Xanadu. Xanadu. Yeah. And so think about who your teen idol was, because I want to hear about it, if you, if you have yeah. one. Pressure. Pressure. No pressure. I'm just curious, because I think everybody has yeah. one, right? Oh, we all did. Yeah. Posters on the wall. Colleen knows that my dad loves bees. Yes. <laughs> we love the honey that my dad. It's delicious. Um, yes, it is. And since he retired, one of his hobbies, besides fishing... Has been raising bees. I, if there's... I don't think I knew that. Oh, really? No. The fishing or the bees? The bees. <laughs> I mean, I know I got the honey, yeah. but I just didn't, didn't really realize where it. it came from. Right. Yeah, it's a whole process and a lot of science behind it. But yeah, he's um, really been into the beekeeping. Um, it started when he gave my mom a beehive for Christmas one year. <laughs> <laughs> I like how it was a gift yeah. to your mom. Um, <laughs> and... My mom never expressed any interest in having bees or any of that, but she got a beehive, and anyway, he loves bees. I have to admit, in my Amazon list right now, there's a book on, like, having a backyard for bees. Oh. I don't really know why, but it just intrigues me I'm sure they have a book like that that you could just borrow. Yeah. It doesn't need to be in your Amazon list. Okay. Yeah, because there are all sorts of flowers and stuff that are really good for the bees. Right. When we went over to my parents' house last week for game night, which was so fun, I'm glad to have that back. Yes. My dad was really excited to show me and my husband the new beehive that he's making. And instead of, like, the ones that are stacked one over the other, he's got, like, these little homes he was very proud of them, and I can see why, because they are super cool. They're horizontal rather than the vertical ones. Okay. And it makes accessing the honey way easier. Interesting. So, you know, my parents have been able to supply the whole family with honey. Yes. Which has been great, and the honey is really good. You yes, know that it is. where it comes from. Yes. And all when that- I was sick, <laughs> you guys all know I was sick, I was, that's what I was making was lemon tea with, with that honey. honey. in it. Yep. Yes. Yes. And I have to say, I've learned a lot and heard a lot about bees in the past several years. Even if you don't want to. Exactly. (laughs) I might not remember it all because it might come in. Yeah, but everybody needs to know that bees, particularly honeybees, are dying off in huge numbers. So that's why books like, you know, what plants to have in your yard are important. I just thought it was interesting. And honeybees can certainly sting you. But they're far from being a pest. In fact, honeybees are vitally important to human survival. Most people only think of honey when they think of bees. However, one-third of the food we eat has been pollinated by bees. Wow. One-third of our food. Bees are essential to pollinating crops, flowering plants, and fruit trees. Even many nuts require bees to help with pollination. 
So interesting. Oh, yeah. Get my dad started. You will learn so much. (laughs) Without bees, these food plants can't reproduce, and that means no food production. And remember, it's not just humans that rely on these plants for survival. Other animals would be at risk, too, if bees aren't pollinating. That's so true. Including us. Right. There are more than 20,000 species of bees around the world. Can you believe that? I didn't even know that. And in North America, there are around 4,000 species of bees. One-fifth of those bees pollinate the plants in North America. Of those 4,000 native bee species, almost all of them are in decline, and 25% of them are at risk of extinction. 25%. That's scary. Climate change, loss of habitat, and the use of certain pesticides, even biological threats such as mites and certain bacteria. Hmm. When we were away for Thanksgiving several years ago, uh, a bad bee got into the whatever, and they do. They the kill hive. each other. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's it's wow. hard to keep hives alive. It's. I did um, see a friend that lost all their bees mm-hmm. just because of, I think, some cold weather mm-hmm. that we had recently mm-hmm. or something. It was just really sad. It's very sad. I know. And this isn't just happening in North America, but all over the world. It's another ecological crisis that's going to create massive harm if something isn't done about it. So, I told you there was going to be good news about the bees. <laughs> There's a biotech company that's figured out a way to vaccinate bees. Oh, my gosh. From a bacterial infection called foul brood, which is an interesting name in itself. Yes. But it's been devastating. It's foul. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> devastating bee colonies. Foul brood kills off baby bees, making it hard to keep the colony alive and growing. It's been so devastating that in the United States, if a hive is infected with a disease, beekeepers are required to burn and bury the hive to reduce the risk of other hives being infected. Now, the first ever bee vaccination has been created. Fortunately, nobody has to go around injecting the thousands of bees. I was going to ask about that. How is that happening? It works by isolating the queen bee and feeding her the vaccine, which then inoculates all of the baby bees against the deadly bacteria. It's brilliant, really. That is brilliant. This vaccine has been approved for use in the United States, and it may be a way to inoculate bee colonies against other diseases. And it's great news for bees, beekeepers, and humanity in general. My dad, like with the with the queen, it's just it. Like I said, there's so much science to it. With wow, bees are just amazing. But anyway, what else can we do to help support the bee population? If you have a garden or even just a yard, think about finding bee-friendly pesticides to use. Mm. If you go to your local gardening center, they'll help you keep away other pests but not get rid of your friendly neighborhood honeybee. You can create a bee garden, planting plants that help support bees like clover, mint, lavender, and poppies. I love poppies. I love lavender and mint. I love mint. Yes. Not so much lavender. (laughs) You caught on to that. (laughs) You can also put out shallow dishes of water to help bees hydrate, particularly on really hot days. It helps if you put some twigs or pebbles into the water that help them give some place to land. Okay. And think about keeping some bees of your own. There are lots of local beekeeper grounds, tons of online information, and even kits to build your own hives available. Costco, once a year, has those little mason bee, like little homes. Oh, um, I bought one for my mom. They're really cute. I mean, they look like a craft kit, but it's, it's all done. Oh, that's and so they're, cool. They're adorable, and the bees just fly you in. Know, my and... husband has water out. We have a bird bath. We have a hummingbird feeder. Mm. So I think you'd be into putting yeah. out stuff for bees, for, too. Yeah. Yes, that's a great idea. So lots of stuff online, and even people in major cities are helping out bees with rooftop hives and gardens. Oh, sure. 
If you want more information on bees and how you can help, check out the beeconservancy.com, B-E-E-C-O-N-S-E-R-V-A-N-C-Y.com. I get not loving the yellow jackets because I hate those and they do ruin a picnic and barbecues and everything, but everyone should be looking out for bees, especially our friends, the honeybees. So as I said at the beginning, my, I would say tween, (laughs) teen idol was Olivia Newton-John and I I just loved her. I think my parents got sick of her by the end. (laughs) And I'll tell you more about my brother, too, as we get further into this, because I had a brother that was six years younger at the time. So that would have That probably really drove him crazy. Yeah. Right. So Olivia Newton-John was born September 26, 1948. She was born in England, which I always thought she was Australian. I did, too. She was raised in Australia. Mm -hmm. Okay. Her father was an MI5 agent during World War II, Hmm. attached to the Enigma Project at Bletchley Park. If you don't know what that is, I don't, maybe we, we should talk about it. But Bletchley Park was where they they had a bunch of people working on how to break Hitler's code. Oh, okay. So, yeah. in, in a nutshell, yeah. a bunch of brilliant people. They made a movie on that with yes. the imitation, or what's it called? Yeah, Imitation, imitation game. game. Okay, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think it was Benedict Cumberpatch. Yes, but, yes. Um, so, her dad worked for that. I thought that was mm. really, really interesting. As a child, she really loved animals, and I know she did to the day she died Mm -hmm. and she wanted to be a vet, but she really, you know, science was a struggle for her. So she abandoned that idea. Instead, she turned to music. She formed a short lived girl group with three school (laughs) friends. I always love hearing stories about that. She began performing in coffee shops. Too bad this was before like everybody having a phone and being able to take. Right. (laughs) Right. Put it on YouTube. And she got her start as a singer in her teens She went to England in the mid-1960s, and she performed on clubs and television, but she really didn't break out. She finally did break out in about 1973. It was her third solo album called Let Me Be There, and I think I have that album. I'm pretty sure I did. I wonder where all those albums are. I don't remember getting rid of them, Mm -hmm. but I kind of wish I still had those (laughs) albums to this day. The title track actually won her a Grammy Award for Best Country Female Vocal Performance. Oh, yes, yeah. I didn't also, I guess I didn't realize, too, that she did more country mm-hmm. to start off. I didn't realize that until she passed away. Right. And then I started reading more about right. that. But I had no idea. She scored hits on the country pop chart, Have You Ever Been Mellow? I don't mm-hmm. know if you ever heard that mm-hmm. song. I knew that song right away. <laughs> <laughs> and I Honestly Love You, which also, oh, yeah. yeah. That, one. I, that yeah. one's pretty, if you heard it, you would know mm-hmm. it. She won, in 1974, she won a Grammy for Record of the Year. She won a total of four Grammys and record of, record of the year before turning 26. Oh, my goodness. I had I no idea. I know. I didn't really either. And I think as a kid, you know, everybody looks old to you. Mm-hmm. Even when they're in their well, 20s. Yes. If you're 12, <laughs> they look old. Yeah. Right? Well, you go back and you look at Greece, and they were supposed to be we're gonna high school kids. And we're like, going to talk okay, about okay. that a little bit. I can't wait. Because I looked up some of these people, by the way. So there was a film adaptation of Greece, obviously, that came mm-hmm. out in 1978. It told a story of two teenagers from two different social worlds. Um, I remember my mom did that album, which is very funny because you know how strict my mom was. She had the, like, them on the beach. It was uh, John Bolton and Sandy on the beach. Well, I think also until I was a mom, I didn't really realize when I let my kids watch Grease. And I don't think it was the TV version. And I was, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, um, I thought it was really cute because... 
she originally wasn't going to take the part. She thought she was too old. Because at that point, she was 28, I think. Luckily, John Travolta talked her into oh, it. I just thought that was oh, so that's cute. Sweet. I, I just loved that. How did she know John Travolta? I don't know. Okay. I, I wish I. She, she just be... said John was charming and really wanted me to do the movie. That was one of the deciding mm. factors. So, uh, Grease was just on TV the other night. Jeff and I were watching. <laughs> of course, I start looking at people, especially Cha Cha. Do you remember her? Yes. She's the gal. That, yes. yes. The dancer. Yes. Yeah. She was thirty. Oh my gosh. And Rizzo, the girl that yeah. played her stock mm-hmm. Channing, was like 32. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. That's still super young, but it not in high school. super young, not but a- not when you're playing like a <laughs> yeah. 17 or 18-year-old. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and looking, I mean, as a kid, I thought, sure, that's what yeah. teenagers look like. <laughs> and now looking back at it as an adult, I'm like, oh, my gosh. You know? So the movie was a hit, as we all know. And it also gave her three singles. You're the one that I want, mm-hmm. hopelessly devoted to you, and Summer Nights, as well mm-hmm. as a Golden Globe nomination for Best Actress. So, I always get all the nominations confused, because Golden same. Globe must be movies? Between, well, and Grammy is more music. Music, I, yeah. I believe. Yes. But the Oscar Academy is Award is always music. Yeah. yeah. And that, okay. So. Yeah. Another episode. need to break that down, yeah. dear <laughs> listeners. <laughs> <laughs> so, the next movie was Xanadu which was released in 1980, it was a box office disappointment. I, you know, no one <laughs> in my family, I think, has seen it. The only reason okay. I watched it is that I went to my neighbors and they, you know, the they play Zan- Yeah, they play Xanadu. I think it's even more and- benign than Grease. I think your mom would approve with that yeah. over oh, Grease. Yeah, I Honestly, think so too. It's yeah. very sweet. Yes, it is. So it earned negative reviews. Yeah. <laughs> she got a raspberry or whatever yeah, that's it was, called. Yeah, Rotten Tomato or whatever. <laughs> Despite the lackluster performance of the film, the soundtrack album became a huge commercial su- success around the world and was certified double platinum in the United States. So at least she had that? Yeah. The song Magic was a U- which I love that song. <laughs> it was a U.S. number one hit for Olivia Newton-John and the title track, Xanadu, mm-hmm. Also was number one in the United Kingdom and several other countries. Um, just a funny things I want to say about Xanadu. My brother, who I said was six years younger than me, reached out, out to me. This was probably a couple years ago and said, you need to listen to this podcast. And they were counting down the worst movies with the best soundtracks. <laughs> <laughs> he said Xanadu is number one. <laughs> I'm trying really hard to not sing the Xanadu song. In fact... <laughs> We were in Idaho this week, and the song Suddenly, that is from Xanadu, came on in the car, and I liked it, <laughs> much to my husband's chagrin. But I think he just understands. Like, yeah. he lets me. I'll be like, it's yeah. Xanadu. Drink. <laughs> so, but my brother always jokes that we all have a theme song in our family. Every person has a mm-hmm. theme song. And we were talking once, and I said, I don't I don't really know what mine is. He said, oh, yours is magic. <laughs> from Xanadu. <laughs> So that's a good theme song. Yes. Another fun thing I wanted to bring up before we started, Teresa and I were talking about Pedro Pascal. Mm. And if you don't know who that is, he plays the Mandalorian. And then he actually also played in this HBO Max show called The Last of Us. Oh, I haven't seen that. It's excellent. Sad? Well, it made me cry. Yeah, but tough more. It's about uh, a post-apocalyptic world. Mm. And it's a pretty, um, it's, it was probably somber on the set, I guess mm-hmm. is the word I would use. Mm-hmm. And apparently Pedro, to keep people's spirits up, played Xanadu music. <laughs> oh. 
I just read that. I follow him on Instagram, and I gotta say, I think he's got a good sense. Of, I think yes. he's a pretty good guy. But I thought that was really, really cool because I was thought if I'm somber and you put on Xanadu, <laughs> I'm hard to be somber. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. In fact, uh, the night Olivia Newton John died, because um, I've never owned the movie Xanadu. Like I've I don't watched think many it, people I've, have. I luckily. <laughs> I always see it like in the five dollar bins. Yeah. I should pick it up. But um, the night that Olivia Newton John died, my husband purchased it on Amazon, Aww. and then we watched it. How sweet! And I sang my heart out. Yeah. So um, <laughs> I really love Xanadu. Another fun thing about Xanadu, I don't know if you know, but it starred Gene Kelly. It was oh. his last movie. Do you know who Gene Kelly is? The dancer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was his last movie. Do you remember him being in it? No, I okay. just remember some roller skating and the song. He doesn't do. roller skate. He's the older gentleman in it who's darling. He helps the main character guy find the building that becomes Xanadu. Hmm. But if, if you don't Clearly, know. Who, I need to watch. I need to look in the $5 bin. Yeah. Because I haven't seen Xanadu. Uh, if you don't know. Because I don't think Craig is going to buy me Xanadu. No, he's not going to buy you Xanadu. <laughs> if, you, if you don't know who Gene Kelly is, if you've ever seen Singing in the Rain mm-hmm. and that really iconic rain dance that's actually gene kelly dancing and he did the choreography he's an extremely talented i just man. heard that he didn't want debbie reynolds to be his co-star in that oh i wonder why i don't know if that's true but i just heard yeah that. i know that's what because I, I love debbie reynolds because she's um carrie fisher's mom yeah <laughs> related same. to star wars i know so. of course no i would feel the same but yeah so that was his last movie okay now he's i gotta super watch it talented guy yeah, if you, if you see the the part where it's like the rock stars are singing and the big band, do you remember that part in Xanadu? No, I do. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, now you do. Colleen, it's it. been like 30 years. No, has I've it really? It. Yeah. Okay. I've watched it a lot. <laughs> so, <laughs> Olivia met her first husband on that set. Oh. Yeah, he was a little bit younger than her. Mm-hmm. But actually, because I'm so silly, I can pick him out. Because he's in the last big dance number. I'll be like, that, there he is. Oh. <laughs> I know, isn't that funny? That's how she met him, and I and you can see him on there. Oh, if you're looking so for him, funny. you can totally see him. So she she met him on Xanadu, and she had a daughter, Chloe, with him, and they married in 1984. Also, around this time, she put out the album Physical. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. Definitely could not have that album. <laughs> Yeah, sure. I do remember my dad being unhappy yeah. about that, and I'm not really understanding yeah. why. And it was a million-selling title track. Talk she, about a double entendre is what she was trying to get away with. Yeah. yeah. She had some trepidation about how her fans would like the new direction, mm-hmm. but they needn't have worried. They loved it. And do you remember the video? Um, I don't think I ever saw the full video, okay. but I know what she, like, the outfit and stuff. Yeah, she, so, was, wearing, yeah. she was wearing an aerobic Type, you know, 80s trademark, short cropped hair and headband. And with the album, there was also a full length video, which was unusual at the time, apparently, mm-hmm. when videos were normally just for individual songs. But she had, I, I don't really understand that, but I'm, I, I need to look mm-hmm. that up further mm-hmm. and see how that really worked. I can see, though, with her being nervous, because if she got her start with country, like more of a yeah. country base, and then yeah. move into this. Well, and, and also just the video was a little bit. Steamy. Mm-hmm. There's a nice word. Yeah. Steamy. Yeah. Like, there's men standing around. Yeah. So I can understand, yeah. like, why well, my dad didn't like yeah. it and why your mom probably yeah. didn't like it. And I'm just thinking, she's working out. Yeah. Look at her. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Get in shape. Yeah. So. Um, it's great. It's great. So, in 1992, she was initially diagnosed with breast cancer. Mm-hmm. So what I didn't realize is that throughout the time of her life she had been diagnosed three separate times with breast cancer you know gone into remission 
come mm-hmm. back out. And she said, quote, there was going to be an article released in one of the gossip papers that I was dying of cancer. When I heard that, I decided that rather than frighten my family and friends, it would be better just to come out with it. I like and, her taking control. Yes, exactly. I do too. It makes me angry that they would feel like it's their place to share it. <laughs> Agree. I'm glad that she... It's her story. Yeah. yeah. And she needs to tell it. So around also that time... She and Matt were divorcing. And this kind of reminded me of Julie Andrews. I know. Kind of reminded me of Julie Andrews because they sounded like, just even with her and her ex-husband, they just seemed to still really like each other, Mm -hmm. which I always appreciate. And he said, she's fine and completely cured now. You can see the change just by looking at her. She's become a living beam of light as if she's gone from a 25-watt refrigerator bulb to a brilliant Klieg lamp. I know. I just thought that was really, really cute. This is from um, her estranged. Uh huh. That was her ex husband, Matt. His name was Matt Latanzi. So, um, and Chloe Latanzi is her daughter mm-hmm. that's still on Instagram and stuff. Mm-hmm. You can you can look her up. So, um, following her divorce, she dated a man named Patrick McDermott for nine years. You may have heard about this guy. He actually went missing on a fishing trip in oh, two thousand five. Yes. Do you yeah. remember that? Yep. Never well, been found. And I remember the gossip rags mm-hmm. being a little bit like, he just doesn't want to be with her yeah. anymore, and he's run off. And I thought, yeah, like, hey, that seems a little silly. And, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to you know, yeah. So I thought that was that was sad. Her current husband, when she she had met through a mutual friend in the early nineteen nineties, but she didn't start dating until two thousand seven, and they fell in love during a trip to the Amazon, because he is the founder and president of Amazon Herb Company, a natural health brand. The two shared an interest in spirituality and holistic cures. So he actually helped Olivia manage her cancer systems with medical cannabis he grew himself. Mm -hmm. So was this, um, had she found out the second time yet? mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. Yep, yep, around that time Mm -hmm. too. I, I just love this. So in 2008, she actually walked the Great Wall of China. Cool. So it was 228 kilometers. And it was over 20 days. So for us Americans, this was 141.67 miles. Wow. And when I figured it out, it was about five miles a day. But still, I mean, that's a lot. And other celebrities committed to walking part of the trek with her as well. And she actually raised $2 million to go towards charity and cancer research. Mm. So I thought that was love her even more. This was, what, 2008. 2008. Yeah. Okay, this is another thing I didn't know, and now I'm going to have to look it up on YouTube. But she, in 2010, she joined the Glee cast. Hmm. I know. And she wore a tracksuit and a sweatband to join Glee's hilarious villain, Sue Sylvester, (laughs) which is played by Jane Lynch, in a recreation of the hit song Physical. Huh, I had to have seen that. I know. Okay, another thing we got to make a note of to go watch. (laughs) So in 2013, she actually went on tour, and that was her first time since 1978. Oh, wow. Yep. So she had to later postpone that concert because she was helping care for her sister, Rona, who was suffering from brain cancer and died Mm. within six weeks of her diagnosis. During this sad time, Olivia was involved in a car crash, which led eventually to the discovery that her breast cancer had metastasized to her shoulder. Mm. Um, and she had at this time been free for 20 years of cancer. I think that's the part that really bothered me. 
Yes. It had, um, you know, when it happened, it had been so long. Been so long. You feel yeah. like you're fine. Yeah. And, you know, it didn't go into detail about this car crash, but the only thing I can assume is that she had that nagging pain in her shoulder mm-hmm. after the crash and, and probably had some diagnostics done mm-hmm. and then they could tell. Yeah. So, um, she actually kept this diagnosis secret until 2018. So for five years and was soon rescheduling her tour dates for the following year And she actually continued working and raising funds for her cancer and wellness center. So I wanted to bring that up because that's actually what that $2 million went for Mm -hmm. is is towards her her cancer center. Mm. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit more in the end um, because it's still open and thriving. And And is that in Australia? It is. It is in Australia. So she said breast cancer. Or all I think it's just all cancers, all cancers because her dad actually also died of cancer as well. So her dad, her sister. Yes, and her. So at the time, around 2018, she said, quote, I've had and I'm having an amazing life, so I have no complaints. I really don't. Everyone goes through something. We all have something we need to go through in life, and this has been my challenge. Mm. That's so true, though. Yeah. I always joke, but it's it's really not a joke. I always say we all have stuff. Yeah. And that is true. Then the cancer metastasized to her sacrum. The Painful. first Yes. Oh, my gosh. Yes. The first half of 2019 was a process of recovery. She wanted to come off the morphine mm-hmm. that she was on. And so she started using medicinal cannabis that was cultivated by her husband, John Easterling. And she did really well managing her cancer diagnosis with herbs, immune-building supplements, and the cannabis. I love this. Despite her health setback, Olivia celebrated the 40th anniversary of Greece <laughs> in 2018 with John Travolta and they with say, some Greece sing-alongs. Yeah, they, I, I do remember that. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. And they looked really good is the thing. I, I mean, so it was too. 40 years later, but they looked really good. Yeah, I thought yeah. she looked great. Yeah. I mean, it was fun doing researching her and seeing pictures of her. Yeah. And um, when we were watching Grease the other night, I was just like, she's adorable. Yeah, it's just beautiful. And I love hearing that she also was beautiful on the inside. Yes, yes. In 2019, she organized an auction of her clothing and memorabilia to her cancer and wellness center. Her infamous leather jacket from the final oh, scene of Greece was auctioned for a whopping four hundred five thousand oh dollars. What about the Xanadu stuff? Anything I know. From Xanadu? I, want, I want those roller skates. <laughs> I love roller skating. This was so cute. In a wonderful surprise twist, the mystery buyer of the jacket—they haven't released who it was—returned it to Olivia. I know. So she got to keep the jacket and yeah, still have that have money, money towards her cancer oh. wellness center. And apparently it's it's displayed there. Yeah. So which many I thought good was darling. people out I know, there. I know. So her health began to fail at the end of 2021. And she kept in touch with her fans via video messages, photos, voice messages. She spoke and met with her personal friends and family to the end, and she survived much longer than many had predicted, thanks in part to the use of medicinal cannabis, which helped immensely with her pain. And she passed away August 8th, 2022. I, I love this quote. This was when she was, when she died, John, this was from John Travolta. My dearest Olivia, you made all of our lives so much better. Your impact was incredible. I love you so much. We will see you down the road, and we will all be together again. Yours from the first moment I saw you and forever. Your Danny, your John. 
I know. The I was just me dying over it. I was just well, and dying John over that because he lost his wife. Correct to breast cancer. Mm-hmm. Now this close friend. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh. So her husband wrote. This was just the the sweetest thing he said as well that. Every day we expressed our gratitude for this love that could be so deep, so real, so natural. We never had to work on it. We were in awe of this great mystery and accepted the experience of our love as past, present, and forever. Um, And I just thought that was so sweet. So um, I want to talk a little bit more about her cancer center. She, it's a... It it does global research into plant medicine for cancer Mm -hmm. is mostly what it does. And which is huge, right? Yes. When when I was diagnosed and he was worried that, you know, what if you know yeah. stuff doesn't work? Um, they've had some amazing yep. results with cannabis. Didn't you say your sister would bring you like a face oh, smoothie <laughs> every day um, or yeah. something? Which like hindsight, that? um now I probably would not have had that because okay. it also when you're going through chemo, it's killing both the good and the bad. Right. So those great smoothies were keeping, you know, Oh. Reviving and and yeah. so they actually do uh, yeah so feeding who knows? feeding the who bad knows? cells yes who knows? but yes. um yeah yes. I definitely believe food is is medicine I do too I do too so um, a statement of Austin Health said the following after her death she was the light at the end of the tunnel for many many people so since the they call it the O N J Center that's the name of the cancer mm-hmm, center mm-hmm. thousands of cancer patients have come through the doors and access the world's leading services Olivia's dream was supporting people with cancer through supportive wellness therapies this is i was so excited to read this this was so recent but in October 2022 her cancer center had made a significant discovery in the treatment of pancreatic cancer mm. It suggests a novel drug target could improve pancreatic can- tumors' response to immunotherapy. So I was, I thought that was really, really cool. Exciting. I that know. There's, yeah, that that research is still going on. If you're interested in looking at those websites, it, the website is www.onjfoundationfund.org and onjcancercenter.org and. She has always been a light to me, mm-hmm. and I, I think every time I see her, she will always mm-hmm. be a light. Well, and obviously so. she was to her husband. Correct. That, that, and I think just, to everybody that met her. He just voiced that for everybody. Right. Yeah. And to John Travolta. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so sweet. <laughs> I know. I know. I need a tissue. I know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Colleen. Yes, have you you have two girls. So I do. Have you ever heard of the Kitty O'Neill Barbie doll? Shockingly, no, because <laughs> no. I love Barbies. <laughs> okay, like my whole life. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't either until, yeah. like I said, the, the Google yeah. Doodle, which is okay. so when you when you sign on to Google, right? You know the little thing that's the day yeah. each day. Yeah. If you click on that, it shows you what. They're talking about. Oh. So, okay. like, in March, I think it was March 24th, there was a picture of this lady that was really pretty, and I clicked on it. She had a race car and stuff, and Cute. it was Kitty O'Neill. Okay. So that's how I learned about this. I'm learning so many things today. I know! <laughs> the podcast this was so fun! I know. So Kitty O'Neill was born in Corpus Christi, Texas, in 1946. Sadly, at five months... She had several illnesses oh my goodness. simultaneously, 
creating a very high fever that destroyed her hearing. Oh. So apparently, part of why I was curious about this too, is that Deaf History Month is March 13th to April 15th. Okay. I did not know that, and I think that's part of the reason why they picked Kitty. Yeah. Because well, and for those of you that don't know, I am deaf in my left ear, so that that does hopefully, seem yeah. that does seem uh, close to my heart. I think I did mention yes, that yes. when we did the ASL, but that that does hit me in the and third time to try insurance. Yeah, I'll put that because you need to hear them both ears. Yes, yes. She said, um, so her mom was Cherokee. Her dad had died in a plane crash. Oh my so goodness. she had a rough a rough go, but her mom. She thought it was smallpox, but people were like, oh, it probably wasn't. But who knows? She had several illnesses. She had these high fevers, and it destroyed her hearing, so it left her deafness. Her mother didn't teach her ASL because back then, I guess it was kind of discouraged because... Now, when was this year? So she would have been... Well, she was born in 46. 46. Okay. So the the mom would, would like, teach her to talk, like, by holding her, like, putting her hand to her throat and she could feel the vibrations. Vibrations. Yeah. Wow. I guess they encouraged reading lips back then instead. Sure. Because one doctor in this thing that I watched noted that at the time, sign language had a negative connotation. Isn't that interesting how things come and go? and glad we've changed out of this. Because some people thought it looked savage-like. So I know. So they, you know, (gasps) didn't approve. And so anyway, the mom, her mother had had taught her to read lips, and apparently she read lips very well. That's awesome. One thing I learned in looking at this was between 2000 and 2010, they kind of started changing the wording, which I am funny about things sometimes because instead of calling it hearing loss, they were talking about it as death gain. So Hmm. they were using the death gain as, as... looking at the contributions or things that they've that have come about from the hearing loss and instead of looking at it as a loss trying to put a a positive spin on it yeah i can understand that just trying to do that i mean it sounds kind of like a strange thing but was just interesting i don't feel like it was negative i didn't think so either right so i i thought that was interesting i had never heard the word deaf game me neither but so Kitty O'Neill was a bouncy, energetic, happy-go-lucky kid who played um, the cello. I want to say she played the piano too. Um, she swam. She was a diver. The family even moved to California so Kitty could train under an Olympic diver. Oh my goodness! Um, she was. I mean, they said she was a shoe-in for the Olympics, but unfortunately, this poor kid. She broke her ribs while training, and developed spinal meningitis. Oh my goodness! So competitive diving was out. And the just the luck that this girl right. had. Right. She got bored, shocking, during yeah. her recovery time. And yeah, she, she decided to, yeah. to put some of that energy behind the wheel. So she turned to competitive car racing. She raced the Baja 500. As a parent, which, I'm like, can we try something else? <laughs> um, which I had to look up. It's slightly under 500 miles. It's an off-road motor race on okay. the Baja California Peninsula. She also participated in the Mint 400, which I don't think it runs anymore, but that was a race in Las Vegas. It was also off-road. It was in the desert, and it was for motorcycles and four-wheel vehicles. So she raced on water. She raced on land. But eventually, she turned her sights to stunts. (laughs) She was the first woman signed on. First woman 
signed on with the Stunts Unlimited, which I guess was the leading stunt agency. This reminds me, for whatever reason, Remington Steel oh, yes. is right now on Amazon Prime. Oh or maybe goodness. Hulu. Or it's on something. Okay. It is terrible to go back and <laughs> look at that because I love Drummington Steel. Me too. Me and too. I do. I love Pierce Bronson. Me too. But got to go watch that now. Watch I don't the know stunts? What, yes. Watch the stunts <laughs> on there. It It is a little bit cringe because my kids will make fun if they see it. But, I, oh my gosh, Remington Steel. Love that. I still love that too. So she signed on. She was the first woman with Stunts Unlimited and that was the leading stunt agency, I guess, in the day. Interesting. She um, was on Bionic woman which you were asking me my you know idols Lindsay Wagner right. absolutely even right. with this you know stringy straggly hair but I loved her I wanted to be her and you said Wonder Woman too yes oh absolutely so, Wonder Woman yeah um Airport 77 the Blues Brothers she was oh, in that goodness. big car crash stunt scene Smoking the Bandit too okay I didn't see that in 1979, she was hired to perform a high dive stunt that was especially difficult. So Wonder Woman's stunt person, okay, Jeannie Epper, it was too dangerous for her to do. Okay. So, so that was Wonder Woman's stunt double. Yes. That was her usual. Yes. So she okay. had a usual stunt double, okay. but it was too dangerous for her. So Kitty came in with the stunt. She set a women's. High fall record of 127 feet. You look at the pictures, she, I mean, yeah, amazing. She later would break her own record with a fall from a helicopter. No, thank you. From 180 (laughs) feet. I know, exactly. No, thank you is right. In 1970, she had a water skiing record. Do you want to guess how many miles per hour? Oh, my gosh. I'm going to say 200. Oh, Hundred and four. Okay. Point eight five. I've been on a boat a handful of times, so I guess (laughs) it feels like two hundred. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, In nineteen seventy seven, she set a record on water at two hundred seventy five miles per hour. So that's on a boat. In December sixth, nineteen seventy six, in Alver Desert. This was in Oregon. Oh, southeast Oregon, I guess. Okay. O'Neill set the land speed record for a female driver. At 512.719 miles per hour. Um, I can't even wrap my head around that. I, yeah. And I, she claims that she could have gone faster. There, yeah. I need to do a whole thing on her because there, she just was an amazing woman. As I said, Mattel made a Kitty O'Neill action doll. I, love I it. never saw it, but it, I have seen pictures online. Her, her women's absolute land speed record stood still into. Until 2019. Wow. So I saw one interview that she was said. That 30 years ish? Yes, that's about, about. Yeah. 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 Or, yeah. Um, I saw one interview that she said she used her lack of hearing to help her have total concentration mm-hmm. on whatever challenge she was facing. Mm-hmm. And thank goodness times have changed because with this whole speed thing. According to her contract, she couldn't go faster than 400 miles per hour since she it was unbecoming and degrading for a woman to break speed records <laughs> when a man... So they were trying to make this action figure doll for this man. I'm not going to say his name. People can Google it. But um, they didn't want the woman to, to beat the record, male or female. She could only beat female records. Yes, for real. She was under contract with that. So, oh, that's so I don't funny. think ladies today would... Tolerate this. Mm-hmm. I don't nope, think they'd they have to. Thank goodness. Nope, they wouldn't. I just, like I said, I love the little Google Doodles. I wouldn't yeah. have known Kitty O'Neill 
and who she was without right. her birthday celebration because right. she would have been 77 on March 24th, 2023. So you were talking about Greece. Right. Stalker Channing. Yes. Is she Rizzo? Uh-huh. Yes. Yes. Okay. She also was in First Wives Club. She was the one yeah. who it's kind of revolved around. But she has a, there was a movie, I want to say late 70s, called Sweet Victory, the Kitty O'Neill story with oh. Stalker Channing. And Kitty herself said that they got it half right. <laughs> so, I mean, they, they got some of it right. Well, so I need to bad. add that to my watch, yes. that and Xanadu again. because It might be crazy. a little cringy from the <laughs> yes. 70s, but yes. sometimes it's still worth it. Just yes. like Xanadu, it's and it still might be, worth it to watch. It might be early 80s, but even if yeah. they got half of it right, I mean, I never, I've never heard of this woman. Nope. So I'm just so curious, and I will be on the lookout for that Barbie doll because that that's one Barbie so I can great. get behind. I know, I know. <laughs> I know, that's great. My biggest mistake was my best lesson. You don't learn everything when everything is going perfectly. Olivia Newton-John. Thanks for listening to Tangential Inspiration. We really want to hear from you. Email us your comments or story suggestions at tangentialinspiration at gmail.com or leave a comment on our website tangentialinspiration.com Our website has all our podcast episodes, show notes, stories, follow-ups, and links to websites and books we talk about. Like and subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app, and you can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Have a great week.